You are Locked On Yukon, your daily podcast on the Yukon Huskies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks for making Locked On Yukon your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Take the Nissan Rogue, Pathfinder, or Armada and go find your next big adventure. Check them out all today at NissanUSA.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about why Donovan Klingon, Kling Kong, is the most impactful basketball player in the country and why he's the key to UConn winning back-to-back titles. We'll talk about that and more on Locked on UConn. On today's show, you're Locked On Yukon with the Yukon Huskies. I'm your host, Mark Zanetto, here on Locked On Yukon on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being a part of the show, making Locked On Podcast Network a part of your daily routine. As you listen every day, leave a five-star review, a five-star review, like the video and engage, comment, let me know how you're feeling and, and create this Locked On Yukon community with me. Give me your thoughts on why or why not Donovan Klingon is the most impactful player in the country. I want to hear from you guys. So let's dive into this. Pre-December 20th, UConn was riding high, and Donovan Klingon was healthy. The Huskies were 23rd in defensive efficiency, and according to that's according to Ken Palm. Although their internal metrics may not have felt that way, I know Dan Hurley made a reference uh, that this defense was like more like wet tissue. Uh, and, and that could have been a little later, but the reality is I know that coaches don't always feel great about their teams, even when they're playing well. But after Klingon's injury, the defensive efficiency dropped to 45 and then as far as 58th in the country. But since his return, the Huskies head into Seton Hall, a revenge game, with the 18th ranked defensive efficiency rating, according to Ken Palm. And with, and with Kling Kong back in the fold, I think we all know they are likely to even be a tad bit better than that. So let's talk opinion and some bold predictions. You've all heard Dan Hurley say this in press conferences. I know they all feel this this, this way as well, that Kling is the most impactful player in college basketball. If there was a stat for almost blocking shots, he'd lead the Big East. And what I mean by that is not missing a block, but a guy coming into the lane and making a business decision, making some kind of Un- uncertainty about whether he can get the shot off over the seven foot two, seven foot three frame. So, I think he would lead the Big East in the in probably the country in that type of defensive defensive prowess. He's also he also allows the UConn defenders to play more aggressively. When you have that brick wall of defense behind the guards, the forwards that are are playing tight defense and getting in people's kitchen. It just leads inevitably to more turnovers, which inevitably leads to more offense and transition. So let's even talk about, for instance, what he provides in small samples, even in a terrible loss for the Huskies at Creighton. The broadcasters pointed this out, but they didn't really dive into what happened after that second foul. So it was about the 15-minute mark in the first half. It's 11-5. to UConn's up. At one point, it was 11-3. to I mean, anybody that watched that game... You had to feel good in those first five minutes of, here we go. We're rolling. It's another road game. We're playing great. We're hitting, hitting shots, getting open threes, getting out in transition. But what they didn't point out is that 
they were covering Creighton's action incredibly well because Klingon was in the game. And what that al- what DC allows is is them to play drop coverage, right? They don't have to, you know, hedge on ball screens. They don't have to jump ball screens like they do with Samson Johnson. They don't have to do that. They have to do that when they play with Alex Caravan at the five. And honestly, you could audibly hear Dan Hurley at, at one point say, stay at home, stay at home. As Stephen Ashworth, Ash, Ashworth was doing his best Steve Nash and driving into the lane and then circling around the elbow to try to find someone that was open who wasn't. He he had nowhere to go. And this is pre-Donovan Klingon's second foul. So, yes, if you go back to that game and you revisit that House of Horrors, did Cam and Castle get lost on some rotations? Absolutely. And that's a rarity. Um, but it was a glaring example of how much harder it is to play without Klingon than it is to play with him. It's one of those things where we really have to focus on this kid is essentially a legend in the making. He's larger than life, right? Um, you have to you have to look at it from the perspective of UConn's history. How many times has a freshman come in and was Donovan Klingon the reason that UConn won a national championship last year? No, but he was a huge part of it. So now when you think about a guy like him, a guy like Alex Caravan, Tristan Newton, these people are in uncharted waters. UConn has never been in a situation where they would be considered the favorite or one of the favorites to win a national championship a second time in a row. We've won national championships. Everyone knows about the five that we've won, but we've never come back the following year and really kind of dominated the entire year. There was, there's, I'm sure people will comment and give me examples of, of, of times that maybe we could have and got upset. Um, but if you even look, just look at betting numbers, I think we're actually a, a, a minus 110 to make the final four. That's insanity. It's, it's incredibly difficult to make the final four. And for UConn coming off a national championship where they lost three NBA players and they had a player transfer to St. John's, Naheem Aleem, who, who played a critical role. They had a guy in Joey, California, Joe Calcaterra, um, that came off the bench and, and provided incredible minutes uh, and, and clutch three-pointers. It's just one of those things where you just don't see it. You see teams that stick around, like you know the last back-to-back champion is the Florida Gators. They had all five of their starters come back. And so for me, the, the interesting part is you got to give a lot of credit to to Dan Hurley because with even without clinging for that six game stretch, they went five and one and I'm, I'm adding the Seton Hall game as the one loss because uh, he, he played four minutes, five minutes, whatever it was. And so um, it's one of those things, actually I think it was 10 minutes, but regardless, I think one of those, it's one of those things where it's really hard to, to really quantify what this team has done and how it's not normal. Enjoy this. Enjoy the fact that they are likely going to contend for a national championship. And I say this knocking on wood because I'm superstitious. And when you say things like that, inevitably the other shoe drops. But it's, it, I think we've been waiting for that for a while. Like, hey, maybe this team will lose four or five games in, in, a, in the Big East late. And they just really haven't. They've had a stinker against Creighton. They had a tough one against Seton Hall, and mostly because Donovan was hurt. 
uh, and really didn't understand how to play without them until we had more time to work on it or, or they, they went small. But again, if you can comment, tell me where UConn's had a terrible game. They've had a few interesting games uh, in that 14-game winning streak. I know that some friends on Twitter, you know, or at formerly Twitter X now, um, really have pointed out that UConn almost stops playing offense at like for four or five minute stretches when they get leads. And I think that's probably the only thing that you can really point to that, that we, that we all get frustrated with. Right. Um, and so as far as Donovan being impactful, I think again, he's the key, whether he stays on the floor, his, his foul trouble woes, his ability to not only affect the offense, but the defense is incredibly, I would say it's underrated. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for being as impactful of a player as as he is. Um, the other part of the of this conversation is this next game is a Seton Hall revenge game. It might as well be Seton Hall revenge week, even though it's a Friday. Um, and it's a must win. And we're going to talk about that right after this break. This game is a this game is a must win. Yeah, a must win. You heard me correct. Why is it a must win? Not, not just for pride and revenge on Seton Hall. That's objective one, right? But objective two is not allowing yourself to go on a slide, which could arguably start with Seton Hall and then go into one of the toughest stretches of the Big East slate that they've had, three games and six games. After Seton Hall, you have fourth-ranked Marquette on the road in Milwaukee. Not an easy place to play. And after that, you have Providence, who every UConn fan hates. Respect hates. You can kind of go either way there, depending on which fan you interact with. And who will be 100% chomping at the bit to avenge that 20? And, and Marquette will be chomping at the bit to, to avenge that 28-point loss. And the Providence team is gritty and tough. We all remember that game where Donnie Marshall and Tim Brando said, well, this is a beautifully officiated game. It was not. Um, there was 700 fouls. The Listen, I'm an older man. Those 8.30 starts, I think it was almost 9 o'clock. I mean, what, what time did that game end? I think my wife fell asleep on the couch and looked up and the game was still on. She was just like, what is going on? So it, it's one of those things where that Providence game could get real ugly real fast. Especially if, for some some odd way reason, UConn plays poorly and goes on a two game slide. I don't expect them to lose at Seton Hall or against Seton Hall in Hartford at all. But that's why this is a revenge game. It's a business. It's it's a it's a hundred percent a just you just can't lose to the Seton Hall team. You can't get swept by Seton Hall, um, and especially with the two games that are on the back end next week. But back to the task at hand, right? How are we going to beat Seton Hall? And this is, again, uh, I will repeat it. It's a it's a revenge game. Kling Kong revenge game. When I was a kid, I saw uh, a funny film. It's not really funny, but if you watch it now, you'll laugh. King Kong lives. And it had a promo. And it's a, a beautiful promo. 
You have seen him before. No one fills the screen like him. He is a legend. He's bigger than life. Now he's back. King Kong lives. Now, go watch that if you haven't seen it. Linda Hamilton from The Terminator's in it. King, ha- King Kong got an artificial heart. It's just a wild premise. But now Donovan, Kling, Kong, Klingon may not have been coming off of a heart transplant, thank God, but has put his presence back against the team that had that had many fans thinking we were going to lose about five or six Big East game, games in this campaign should be accentuated. I, I love our offense. I love everything about the action that we create, the backdoor cuts, the incredible passing that we do on this team. They share the ball better than almost any team in the country. When I hear people say Kansas is the best passing team in the country, false. When I hear people say Marquette, I heard Seth Greenberg say that the other day, Marquette's the best passing team in the country. Absolutely. UConn is the best passing team in the country because nobody cares who scores. These guys, what do we have? Five guys averaging double digits. I mean, that says it all. There's a different Big East player of the year candidate almost every game. So, but what I want to see in this game in particular is getting Donovan Klingon in the post, establishing it every other possession. You don't have to do it every time. This isn't the 1990 Bulls. We don't have to dump it down to Bill Cartwright every two seconds in the first 10 minutes before Pippen and Jordan took over. I want them to impose their will on this Seton Hall team so that the rest of their offense, the rest of that motion offense, the rest of, rest, rest of that pick and roll, just kind of lineup of death that we can kind of attack this Seton Hall team with our three-point play, with our back doors, with our action. I don't want that to go away, but I do want that to be augmented by Klingon getting some shots in the post because it's innate in every basketball player, even an old white guy like me who can't really run as fast as he used to. If I play pickup basketball, what's the first inclination that I do when a, a ball gets passed away from me? I drop down and think about helping. Ball in man. You learned that when you were, you know, in, you know, JV or even 10, 10 years old, right? You know, if anyone played AAU or any of these travel teams, like you're not really playing a lot of defense. But I think when you finally get to that kind of defensive, you know, ball in man situation, you it doesn't matter what your coach says after that. Like once that's taught to you and every person is taught that growing up, it's hard to stay at home. That's why you hear Dan Hurley screaming that against Creighton. Stay at home. Stay at home. Um, if you establish Klingon in the post, what that provides, it loosens up the entire game. It loosens up lanes to the basket. It loosens up three-point opportunities. And it makes them respect that Donovan Klingon can be an offensive threat. I do think that if there's one weakness that Donovan has on the offensive side, look, he's not perfect. And and people try to compare him to Zach Eady all the time. Zach Eady's a senior. Um, Donovan Klingon's a sophomore. I think Donovan's a much better pro prospect. But the reason why Zach Eady is like automatic around the basket is he's got a little attitude about him. And he automatically, whenever he's close to the basket, it's it's an automatic two points where, where if he turns his shoulders, he discards people and he dunks. Donovan does that from time to time, but it's not that kind of automatic. Like you can dump it down to him and then it's an easy two points. It's mostly off of, you know, layups or little jump hooks, which listen, 
what's he shooting 70 percent i mean they're he's these are tiny criticisms um but i'd love to as a fan see that aggression from him that king kong lives like you know i'm trying to find my lost loved one and if anyone's in in my way i'm gonna dominate and because that's the theme of king kong lives he's going after his the female counterpart but that is the that is what I want to see that next step. Do I think it's going to happen against Seton Hall? Probably not, but it'd be nice to see. And I think if they did that and established his dominance, that they wouldn't buy twenty plus points easily. That's that's the first thing with with Seton Hall. The second part is we have to stop Kadari Richmond, Kadari or Kadari. I apologize if I said it wrong. Here's some stats for you: twenty twenty one sophomore year versus UConn. 27 point 27 points 13 points 14 points he only averaged maybe 10 a game that year uh in 2021 three of his four biggest outputs that season were against uconn 2022 18 and 10 hurt in the second game 2023 so far this stat line is insane to me 23 points six rebounds eight steals eight five assists do you think this kid isn't excited to take a trip up I-95 to see UConn? You stop him, UConn wins by 20 plus. And three, stay out of foul trouble. When we play solid defense, we're not overly aggressive. There's not a team that can beat us. It's just, it's proven. You know, like this, these are these are opinions, but we can back them up by watching and, and, and realizing that this is something that we do. Let me make an analogy. We all love Dan Hurley's fire. How he fights for every call. But when he goes to that bad place and really starts to berate the refs where they're forced to give him a technical or even toss him, um, it's 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 no good. I mean, it, it, I think there are some funny moments where, you know, like where he pumped up the crowd and got a technical. That's more on the ref. I'm talking when he loses his proverbial mind and it, there's no going back, right? And he's already kind of crossed it and he gets that quick T and then he's incensed and it just goes from there, right? Um, this is the same way I feel about when you when you play with emotion, when you play with that fire, um, you can't go too far because you end up following, you end up getting twitchy and, and you know, someone shots fades and you jump and, you, and they get, get you in the air and then that's an easy foul, right? Or you're setting a screen like what happened with Klingon and Creighton. I didn't think it was a great call, but just don't put yourself in that position, right? You got to be smart. You can't stick that. You know, he's seven foot two. That that rear end is is pretty big back there, right? So you're you know, you're, you're kind of sliding your hips around, and all of a sudden, boom, you're out for the rest of the half, and you know the rest was history. Um, I firmly believe Creighton does not get that comfortable if Klingon plays a full first half. It, it may be a close game. Maybe they shoot 10 for 28, not 14 for 28. I mean, think about that. They shot 50% from three. If they miss four shots of those, we win that game. Because we we made a comeback. We got 22 points, cut it to nine. And again, the impact of Klingon cannot be understated. We win that game against Creighton, or it's very close if he plays that first half and doesn't get in foul trouble. But back to back to what we what we were talking about. You know, this is this. I, I just I just feel like with with UConn, that final thing, that final third option against Seton Hall is 
just stay at home. They have shooters, but this isn't, you're not playing against Creighton. You're not playing against, um, you know, a mid-major that all they do is shoot threes. They're definitely going to, going to jack from three. Um, but I would love for them to, if they're going to beat us, you know, we go back to Kadari Richmond. I would be okay with him going for 30, but we'd shut down everybody else. I am a firm believer of the analytics will will tell you that if you can let people, not let, but if you give up, which inevitably you will, one area of the game, which is the more of the in, the mid-range and you know contested twos, you're going to win more times than not. But if you give up a ton of threes, then you're in trouble. And I think that's where we can revisit, um, you know, beating this Seton Hall team. So coming up next, we're going to revisit college game day and everything that goes with that special night in the Rip Hamilton retirement of his number. Uh, it was wonderful to see right after this break. This segment of the podcast is sponsored by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all of your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game par- same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. Good luck betting out there. In our final segment, going back and revisiting college game day last Saturday, <clears throat> where it all started. When Jay Billis's hair looked like mine, the little crown at the top. Now Jay has gone full bald. Good for him. I have not gotten the green light from my wife to, to shave my head. I'll keep you posted. But then we snap back to present day, and we're talking about UConn being the most complete team in the country. I have to say my favorite moment of college game day was my guy, Rich Rip Hamilton. Um, shout out Richard Hamilton, making the half-court shot, as, as Jay Williams said. Got to get him back for 99, and then all net. <laughs> Couldn't have been as scripted any better. Quick little personal story with Rich, Richard Hamilton. He probably doesn't remember this. I'm sure he meets random people all the time. Uh, met him at a Chris Rock Bigger and Blacker tour show. For those of you who are native to Connecticut, um, there's a venue called o- the Oakdale. I don't know if it's still open and, and doing shows, but they do concerts and comedy shows. I've, I saw numerous stuff uh, up there. And Chris Rock kept saying, what's there to do in Oakdale? So he, no, and no one shouted out and corrected it. I guarantee if it was 2024, they would have. But 2002, 2003-ish, no one said a word. Um, I think we're probably afraid to to come at the king. But um, but that's where I met Richard Hamilton. And um, just was a great dude walking out of the, the, um, the event and was gracious. Not many people went up to him. Um, but I did because... I'm a huge UConn fan and you know, he's, I think, I think he was coming off the, could be wrong on the timing of it about coming off the Pistons title. Uh, but either way, Richard Hamilton, shout out to you. All time. Great. Something he said in, in college game day. I don't know if it was an interview or if it's just something I remember from 
the coverage. He knew, I think it was during the interview with Calhoun. Shout out the GOAT, Jim Calhoun. Um, that coming to UConn, there's no pro sports. It's a special place. And I and I want to take this time to really kind of talk through what, what that means, right? When I was a kid, we had the Whalers, um, even the New Haven Nighthawks, the minor league NHL team. And I know there's minor league baseball, and I know there's some, I think there's some still some hockey there. Uh, but Connecticut didn't have a pro sport. Um, UConn's the show. You know, there was a flirtation of the Patriots coming over from Foxborough and building a, a a new stadium in Hartford. Still calling it New England, right? A lot of options to be build a stadium in New England, but that was inevitably just inevitably just a leveraging tool for Robert Kraft to get a new stadium where he wanted it in Foxborough. So never never forgave the Patriots for that. I'm a Giants fan anyway, but it would have been cool to have uh, an NFL team 20 minutes from my house. Um, but that being said, back to UConn, UConn is the only game in town. The men and the women's basketball teams are 100% the pro sport of the area. And to be a UConn player, Rip mentioned, that's how you feel that you're essentially playing for a pro team. Um, and some people may look at that as, as not a plus, but I do because, this is where, and I said this the other day to a friend, UConn basketball, men and women, is where you find a congregation of people that root for the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mets, the Giants, the Patriots, the Jets, and numerous other pro teams. But that's mostly the likely area. Uh, Rangers fans, Islanders fans, Nets fans. They're all UConn fans in that in in Connecticut in that area. You get a couple of randos, rando Duke fans, rando Michigan fans. We won't talk of, but the idea of UConn being the the main sport of the state. It's where every all of those teams that hate each other in their respective sports, Red Sox, Yankees fans, high fiving at Gamble, high fiving at XL Hartford Civic Center. So this was just a glorious event to commiserate and kind of say, look how far we've come. Um, and there's something about UConn that it's like this transformation. And I know Patriots fans probably feel this way too, even though I'm not a Pats fan. Everybody thought that 2001 team that beat the Rams, 2001, I believe, or I believe the first championship might've been, I think it was 01. Um, everyone was rooting for the Patriots because they were the underdog. And you have to, believe that everyone was rooting for UConn in their first national championship against Duke because who likes Duke? Nobody. Um, and so, but we've kind of gone from that plucky underdog that had an amazing season with all these great players, Khalid Elamine, Richard Hamilton, Jake Boskel. And now Kevin Freeman, can't, mess, can't, can't forget him. And, and now become this, as Rich said, as, as Richard Hamilton said, the true blue blood of college basketball because we just won again our fifth title we're in position to win another and dan hurley is not stopping anytime soon this team is going to be good for a very long time and we haven't even d d dove into the women's team which we will as the tournament come comes around i mean how many titles do they have 11 um so before we 
go today, I wanted to mention someone that um, is going to be a part of this show as a, as a student correspondent, um, Kyle Bergstrom. Uh, I'll, I'll get his, I'll tag him in this for, for Twitter purposes and um, really looking forward to his contributions. Uh, he, he took some pictures. He took some, uh, some video. The video isn't as great and not nothing against him, but it's more, more quality wise. I did save one video that we'll show as we end the show here. Um, but just some of the pictures from, from Gample, uh, this is some UConn fans, um, at the game. Look at that. Uh, about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight UConn fans. Welcome to the Husky pound. Um, really appreciate my man for doing that. Um, there's another one with, with Kyle and, uh, in, in Seth Greenberg, shout out Seth Greenberg. He's been absolutely major praise for UConn. And then lastly, probably the funniest one. Kyle and a buddy of his with the Husky uh, in, in stores. Uh, so I appreciate Kyle and appreciate his contributions. And we'll end with this one video of, of Kyle before we go to our last uh, ad break. Enjoy. <laughs> Let's go Huskies, baby. Yes, sir. Uh... Great, great kid. Uh, connected with him through Twitter. I really appreciate uh, all he's going to do for us in this show to kind of give uh, insight to only that only a student can bring. Um, so really appreciate everything that he's going with. This has been Locked On Huskies with Mark Zanetto. Look forward to seeing you next time.